cool bumper there, huh? Yeah, one of our kindergartners put that together. That's what we do here at St. John's. We get them going from the very beginning. Anyway, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, good morning again, everyone. Um, my name is Michael Hayes. If you're a guest here, uh, it's great to have you here this morning. I'm one of the pastors here at St. John's as well. And uh, so glad that you're here worshiping with us. So glad that we've got our kindergartners here to help lead us in worship in just a moment. And uh, just out of curiosity, who's, who's, who here is connected to one of these little kindergartners? I just want to see. Okay, very cool. Awesome. Love you guys and so grateful for you and so grateful for these little ones. I was at their practice this last week and uh, they did it. You can put your hand down now. Thank you, son. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> they did such a great job and you'll see it in just a moment. So anyway, here we are. We're in the midst of a, a, our life group series, our sermon series called Reformed. We're at week five. And uh, we've been considering all of the key elements of the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation from 500 years ago, and how those kind of key truths are still relevant for us today. And so we've looked at our conscience being reformed. We've looked at our identity being reformed in Christ alone, that's solus Christus. We've looked at authority reformed in Scripture alone, sola scriptura. We've looked at justice reformed in sola gratia, grace alone. And last week, uh, we talked about that idea of grace. About uh, Martin Luther found uh, God to be a gracious and loving heavenly father when we, before he thought that God was a God of wrath and justice alone. But in the Reformation, Martin Luther found family. He found the heavenly father. And he found that God was not just a judge who wanted to punish him. And so today we move from that grace and from that justice reformed to peace reformed, and we discover a new sola this morning. Now, when we talk about peace, we could go a whole bunch of different directions. We could talk about world peace. We could talk about peace in the Middle East. We could talk about when our loved ones die, we want them to rest in peace. We could talk about peaceful environments, right? We go on vacation, we head up the mountains, everything's calm and quiet, and we're saying, oh, it's so peaceful. If you have kids, you know how it goes. You get up at 4.30 in the morning, you work for about three hours with those kids, then you go to your job and you work there, and then you come home and you work with them and you do dinner and homework, you put them to bed, and finally around 8.30 or 9, you sit down on the couch and you have a moment of peace, right? Hopefully, peace. Usually you fall asleep about two minutes later if you're like me at my house. Peace. But you notice we talk about that sort of peace, and all that sort of peace is stuff that's happening out there. It's happening outside of us. It's not the peace that we talk about that goes on in here. Peace in our minds. Peace in our hearts. Some people call that inner peace. Some people call that a peace of mind. And sometimes we talk about that sort of peace within when we're thinking about something bad that has happened in our life. And then we come to terms with that bad struggle, anxious, worry, whatever it is. And we say things like, I have peace with that. And it's in those times that we realize and we see that peace is actually possible inside us, within us, even if everything going on around us in the world is filled with conflict and strife and anxiety and worry, that we are able to have peace within. So we might ask ourselves a question, what is the best way for us to get toward that state of peace? How can we get to have a peace of mind, an inner peace? Now, we could look at what not to do, and that might tell us what to do. You, you see, oftentimes we find ourselves that we are not at peace in life because we've entrusted ourselves 
We've entrusted our whole beings to the wrong things or the wrong ideas or the wrong people. And when we entrust ourselves in that way, really that sort of entrusting of your being and who you are is actually a matter of faith. It has to do with faith. And so before we jump into that, I wanted to ask our kindergartners a few questions about faith, okay? So boys and girls, we're going to pretend like we're in school, okay? I'm the teacher, all right? Pastor Mike, the teacher. You guys, everyone sit quiet, fold your hands, put them there, upright. There we go. Good posture, people. All right. Now, I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to answer. Raise your hand. I'll, pick, I'll call you, and you can answer it for me. Are you ready for this? Ready for it, kindergartners? All right. Can someone tell me what is faith? Okay, okay. What is faith? It means you trust God. We are teaching these kids good stuff. All right. Good answer. Right. It means we trust God. We have faith. We trust God. I'm very impressed. I got a third and fourth grader and a three-year-old, so I didn't know how it was going to go with kindergarten. You guys are sharp. All right. What does it mean for us to trust God? Anybody? Okay. What does it mean to trust God? I see it. I see the wheels turning. I see him turning. Over here, what does it mean to trust God? Um, it, it means to love and respect him. This is good. All right. To trust God means to love and respect him. What else? Anybody else have a, another definition of what it means to trust God? Over here. Over here. I don't want you guys to feel left out. What does it mean to trust God? Anybody? What do you got? Trust God means to obey him. Anything else right here? Huh? What? What do you got? Trust God. What's that? To listen to him. These are all great answers, boys and girls. You got one now. Okay, one more. Here we go. What does it mean to trust God? It means to respect him. These are all good answers. So, boys and girls, we're starting to get at what it means to have faith, what it means to trust in God, okay? Now, how many of you had breakfast this morning? Raise your hand if you had breakfast this morning, you kindergartners. Did you eat anything this morning? Raise your hand if you did, okay? All right, we're taking note of those of you who did not eat this morning, all right? <clears throat> all right, kindergarten teachers, write that down. No, just kidding. You all ate breakfast this morning, all right? Who gave you breakfast this morning? Who gave you breakfast this morning? Your dad gave you breakfast this morning, okay? So usually your mom and dad or grandparents or whoever takes care of you gives you food, right? How many of you are, have breakfast every morning, right? How many of your parents give you clothes? How many of them take you to the doctor? How many of them make sure that you have a place to sleep every night, right? You depend on them for that, right? You rely on them, and they are dependable, and they are trustworthy. You can count on them. They're not going to fail you, right? You have a good relationship with your parents. I'm going to talk to the big kids now, okay? That's kind of what faith is about. When we think about faith and about trust, it's really a relationship of dependence upon another human being. And when we look at our children and their relationship with their parents, we start to get an understanding of faith that, that broadens our horizon a bit. Because, you see, a lot of times in the church, we'll hear that word faith talked about and kind of bandied about and kind of talked about, but we don't really know what it means. We often think that faith is sort of a cognitive assent. We believe in a bunch of little truths that are written on a page, and we say that we believe to it, believe in it. But the problem is in the English language, we got this problem with this word belief because belief and trust and faith are all basically the same thing that the Bible talks about in the New Testament with one word. And so we got a translation problem when we come to these words and we think, what is faith exactly? 
What is trust? What is belief? And most of the time in the Bible, when the Bible talks about faith, belief, and trust, it's talking about a relationship of dependence. It's talking about relying on someone who is reliable. It's talking about trusting in someone who is trustworthy, depending in someone who is dependable. And so our text from last week, actually, Ephesians chapter 2, we talked a lot about grace. It kind of speaks to this thing. So I'm going to dig into it again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Let's uh, take a look at it. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then here's the big verse, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It is by grace, last week, sola gratia, grace alone, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Let's take a look at these words here. Last week we talked, it is by grace, right? What is grace? We had all the preschoolers up here singing, and we talked about the relationship that a parent has with a child. We talked about the relationship God has with us, that grace is the completely undeserved, loving commitment of God to us, just like a parent has that commitment to a child, right? All of you who are responsible for one of these kindergartners up here, you love them with all of your being, and there's nothing that's going to take away that love that you have for them. That's grace. So it is by grace you have been saved. Saved from what? Saved from a life without God to a life with God forever. Saved from a darkness to life. Saved from a life without purpose to a life with purpose and direction and meaning. Saved from a system of justice being placed into a system called family. And in a family, we are heirs of God. And as heirs, we have a heavenly inheritance that is filled with life and love and peace and mercy and family forever. Faith. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. What is faith? Faith is that relationship of dependence in trust in someone else. And here in the scriptures, it's talking about not just sort of a general sort of faith, but it's a faith in someone that is dependable, a trust in someone who is trustworthy, a reliance upon someone who is reliable. Despite what the prophet George Michael used to sing, you know what I'm talking about? I can sing it for you if you want, all right? It was redone by some other metal band, hip-hop band, and also I think a Lake Street Dive also covered it, Faith, right? Anybody hear that song? Because I gotta have faith. Marco, can we get up, sing it a little bit together? No. It's a catchy tune, right? We, we kind of know that song, at least my generation does. Uh, gotta have faith. Cool, catchy tune, but it has nothing to do with what faith is really about, right? Because the faith that's talking about in that song is faith actually in nothing, it's just sort of generic notion of idea of a faith floating out there. And when you have a relationship of dependence on nothing, well, that gives you nothing. If you have a relationship of dependence upon the wrong people or the wrong ideas or the wrong things in life, that usually leads to an anxious life, a life that's filled with worry, a life that does not have peace in heart and in mind. And so when St. Paul is talking about uh, when you are saved through faith, He's talking about faith in someone particular. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says this, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Verse 22 says this, The righteousness is given through faith. Through faith who? In Jesus Christ. 
It's a faith, it's a relationship of dependence in Jesus. And so faith, you see, is the relationship of complete trust, complete dependence, and reliance upon Jesus. Someone who is reliable, someone who's dependable, someone who is trustworthy. And actually, I love that picture of faith because I look down here at all these little kindergartners, and Marco was kind of uh, t- talking about it a little bit. I'm reminded of Jesus' words from Mark chapter 10. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, that means having faith, who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, will never enter it. These children here this morning can teach us a bit about faith, about having a relationship of trust and dependence in someone else. In fact, for those of you who have these little kindergartners in your home every day, Think about back to the day when they were born. Think about when they were born, and, you know, some people, some people think that children can't have faith. Some people think that babies cannot have faith. But I'm telling you, if you think back, you remember when they were born, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt or uncle, older brother, older sister, whoever, when you remember that they were born, you remember that they trusted and they relied and they depended upon you for absolutely everything. They had a relationship of complete and utter dependence upon you. They had faith in you. And that relationship was given to them. That faith in you was given to them the moment that they were born. They did nothing to get it. They were brought into the world, and they were given that relationship with you. And it's a huge and awesome, wonderful picture for us to think about our faith in God, our faith in Jesus Christ. Because every one of us in the room this morning, we are children of God. We never grow out of that. We are always children of God. We'll never stop being, and we are born into that. We're given that in the gift of baptism, not by our will, but by God's will. And so that gives us an awesome picture of what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ alone. Faith alone. Sola fide is the Latin term. Faith alone in Jesus means to have a relationship of trust and dependence in him. And we rely on him alone to give us inner peace, peace in our minds, peace in our hearts, peace to help us deal with the strife and the conflict and the worry that's all around us. I want to close with some words from St. Paul. St. Paul from Philippians chapter 4 said this. He said, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here it is, the peace of God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Faith alone in him gives us peace.